0: Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy.
1: As the violence continued, one of the president's sons texted Mr. Meadows, quote, he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough, Donald Trump Jr. texted. Yeah, well, there it is, democracy in action. The more we peel back the layers, the more depressing it is for a conservative like me who actually, <laughs> call me old school, believes in the rule of law um, and not insurrectionist knuckleheads. And, and uh, I think Mark Meadows is turning over the, uh, over the slow fire there, and deservedly so. I believe it'll get worse. But to well, figure all this stuff out, David Axelrod, we brought in somebody with some advice, boy oh boy, do I agree, for the Democratic Party.
2: Who do we have? I know you want to shift the discussion to the Democratic Party after all of that. I don't, I don't blame you for that. But the thing I'm bewildered, hang on, Governor, I'm going to introduce you in one second. The thing that I'm bewildered about is you just were lecturing us before we started about cleaning up our language so that the kids who listen don't have their, their sensibilities uh, affected and uh, Donald Trump Jr. blew the whole thing for us right there.
1: Well, it's, you know, we, we, are we surprised that we hear the grind of something hitting the bottom with his name <laughs> attached, you know?
2: <laughs> nah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, so, but, but anyway, we're going to so clean no, it up no, here. We, we, we are. And who better to clean it up yes. than, uh, uh, okay, Governor Steve Bullock from yes. Montana. Good to be with you, Gov.
0: David Mike, I could think of no better place to be.
2: You, you are actually a big newsmaker there sitting in the plains. You've uh, put your thoughts together and, uh, on, on the Democratic party uh, right now. We're going to get back to what happened in Washington yesterday, but we should start there because, uh, but, but can I interrupt for one sec, David? I will anyway. I just want to set up the governor as a, a former
1: Republican politico. Party's always watched him because, and he was seen as a very formidable opponent by the repubs because he won an overwhelmingly Trump state big. Yes. Which is a hat trick almost no Democratic politician has ever pulled off. And I can tell you in the RNC basement, they're like, God, we hope the other Dems don't figure out the formula
2: here this guy has. He's a little special because he's figured out how to unlock our vote. He he not only won, but he won in a year that Donald Trump was carrying the state by 20 points. So, yes, his bona fides are very, very real. He ran for president. Uh, The the party did not follow that uh, path. So you were relieved uh, by that, Murphy. Uh, But uh, he would have won. Yeah, but the good news is now he's free to be with us. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe he can knock a little sense into the comrade. So (laughs) let's talk about that uh,
1: that uh, op ed that I thought was incredibly persuasive and were tweeted out after this.
2: It was in the New York Times a little while ago. Talk about your perspective sitting in Montana uh, on what on the state of the Democratic Party. We'll get back to Murphy's. uh, tribe in a second. Do we have to? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that op-ed I think was initially more therapy than intending to publish. When you wake up the day after Virginia and almost half the counties in Virginia, Democrats lost by over 70%. Go back to Barack Obama's first election. He only lost four counties in Virginia by over 70%. So, you know, when we talk about rural areas or we talk about losing places, you're often talking about North Dakota and South Dakota, places like where I live in Montana, but really hit me that we're becoming competitive in places, you know, there's ex-urban areas in every single state in our country. And... We're continuing to see a decline of the Democratic brand and Democratic successes in those counties, and we got to do something about it.
2: You know, uh, I got I got a call from a friend of mine, uh, a, a who a very active Democrat who was enraged by your uh, op ed and said, "You know, uh, that's it's hopeless. We can't compete in those areas. Uh, we uh, we should just uh, run up the score in the suburbs." Uh, and that is the answer for our problems. We went over the fact that uh, there are states where you can't just run up the score in the suburbs and win, and those happen to be the states that determine who is president of the United States because of the Electoral College. But what is it you think that Democrats have to do? Uh, I mean, we got our own ideas. I've got mine. Murphy has some subversive ideas. But what do you think Democrats uh, need to do uh, to address this problem? I mean, What is it that you want them to do? You talk about it a little bit in the op-ed.
0: I want them to show up, first of all. You can't write off large swaths of the, our population, geographically or otherwise, and think you can have some sway over them. I want them to talk about issues that are impacting their daily lives. I'll give you just three quick factoids. You go from 2006 to 2016, two thirds of the counties in this country lost businesses. You take that map, look at where Donald Trump won, it's the same map. You go during about that same decade, 80% of households had their incomes actually drop or remain flat in real terms. Number three, nearly all net employment growth during that period, was uh, contingent work. So I think to an extent, like you look at where folks aren't doing well economically, what they're talking about around their kitchen table, isn't necessarily what MSNBC or Fox is talking about. But we allow those discussions to get around the kitchen table because they're like, Democrats aren't fighting every day to make my life better. And my life better is ensuring that, yeah, I actually have a decent job gives me a little leftover, you know, a roof over my head, um, clean air and clean water for sure. Good schools. But that also belief you're going to do better for mm. your kids and grandkids and yourself. And, and when you look at the decade leading up to Donald Trump, look, we can talk about everything that Trump did and what the republicans did when they had that opportunity but these folks don't feel like their life is getting better and it's not just rural areas right you know it's all, it's interesting when we talk about uh like working class voters immediately everybody says well that's just code for white non-college educated carpenters union in the western states 68 percent of their members are of color. So there's a whole lot of folks that don't feel like the world is getting better for them and they don't hear Democrats saying, I got your back and I'm going to make the world better for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My most subversive idea and suggestion for the Democrats is simple. Just keep doing what you're doing Yeah, because you're bringing the Republican party back from the ash heap without the Republicans having to change any of their crazy I mean, when you run your party on identity and groupism, you start deciding that some groups aren't cool enough for you. And those groups get that. I mean, in the old days, you opened a transmission shop uh, and employ four people. You're playing Democratic politicians would call you a hero. Now they wave the brown degree at you and ask what you do with the oil. And, you know, you really (laughs) ought to convert that to a solar powered electric vehicle charging station. You don't get it, Rube. And so, you know, when you have all these groups, you create a huge alienated group called Rural America. I mean, the governor's right there. The Democrats win by getting a big vote out of a bunch of big counties, about 200 of them. There are over 3,000 counties in America, and Trump won 70% of them.
2: 80%.
1: 80%. So the, the point being, if you can't fight the Republican working middle class battle on kitchen table things, not ideology, and identity i mean i i i grew up in a democratic voting family um and my dad started yeah, um, a, a, as a labor lawyer with the, uh, he was a teamster
2: for a year before he figured
1: yeah. out boy i better go to night law school um and they and dropped
2: they dropped murphy on his head when he was a kid and, that, that's and my dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you lost
1: but, your roots Mike. <laughs> but my my grandfather was a, an irish catholic politician uaw endorsed, blah, blah blah so i mean i grew up around it and when when Donald Trump is taking people who are afraid about their metal bending jobs who voted democratic all their life and they're being told, well, don't worry, you got to learn how to code. And the Trump Mm -hmm. is saying, they're stealing your jobs to Mexico, whether it's true or not. And Hillary Clinton's talking about bathroom rights and everything. It, It just, Nobody's talking to these people,
2: yeah, and yeah. so
1: they've been given to the Repubs who are more than happy to say your instincts are right. They hate you because you didn't go to an elite university, and you don't think the most important thing in politics is identity, and so it creates Trump.
2: Look, I, I you know I agree with you in part. I, I've said again and again. I said it here. I've said it elsewhere that as we uh, as Democrats become a sort of metropolitan uh, college educated. A party more and more. There's a there is a, a cultural sort of ephedism that has s- crept in, and even as as the party's doing stuff that uh, is helpful to people, uh, working working people, the messaging and the uh, the tone is very much uh, you know uh, talking down. And I the governor talked about this in his his op-ed, and people and and people sense that. I don't think Mike. Uh, I'd make two points. I don't think that you can, uh, remove race from the discussion. I mean, Donald Trump, uh, beat, beat that drum, uh, just very, very persistently and loudly. Um, you know, we always knew, I mean, when Obama ran, uh, you know, our goal was to steer clear of divisive sort of social, cultural issues and focus on economic issues. And he was the last Democrat to cover, uh, to carry the state of Indiana. Uh, For example, there's a reason uh, for that. So I agree with I I agree with you in the main and I agree with the governor. Um, Those issues are big. Biden, if he were here and we invited him, uh, but he couldn't attend. So uh, Governor Bullock agreed to fill in for him. he uh, called he, me 10 minutes ago, David, and said, <laughs> the president couldn't make it, Bullock. Yeah. What do
0: what you got on tap? And I'm like, hey, I'm out in Montana. Yeah. He's cutting the ribbon on the new
2: AOC Brooklyn Bridge, which
1: is built totally out of recycling. <laughs> we even period.
2: offered to call you, Mr. President, but you said that wasn't necessary, so we're not going to do it. The fact is that this infrastructure bill that uh, he passed, that the president passed, Uh, With bipartisan support is a historic thing. We were begging for that for years under the Obama administration. It's badly needed. It's going to improve communities across the country. It's going to people will will go to work uh, because of it in very in 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 good paying jobs. Um, But that hasn't translated, uh, and it and maybe it won't before twenty twenty two because a lot of these projects are long term projects. A lot of what's in this Build Back Better bill that you that you call socialism, Mike. Is no, no, like, no, uh, no,
1: no, no. I got to yeah. interrupt you on that. I have been 100% for the infrastructure
2: bill. No, I'm talking it, about the uh, the the bill, the other bill.
1: You know, I'm like Manchin. I'm getting comfortable as it gets smaller because uh, employment's high enough. But yeah, we, we can fight about that forever. But I agree, if you break it into politically, you break it into yeah. chunks, a lot of the chunks test well. The problem is the narrative out of Washington is not, here are some good things for your real life. It's a couple of members of Congress who barely can disguise their contempt for Biden. They're holding him up, and he looks weak and passive. That's you know, the narrative playing out, and that's hurting him.
2: Well, I mean, I, I think the bigger, the bigger problem is the one we've talked about, which is this, the these, the parts are, are more uh, persuasive than the sum. Yeah. When you're talking about a, big, a trillion dollars spending, trillions of dollars in spending, and you say uh, we're, we're, these are historic, they're transformative, we're going to transform your lives, people's lives. People don't want to be transformed; they just want a little help where they where they need it. And uh, and you made that point, Gov, in your in your uh, in your piece. Yeah, and, and David, I don't think I mean one of the challenges you look over this last year,
0: the parts aren't even being talked about, right? It's is it three point five trillion? Is it one point yeah, so exactly. seven trillion? Yeah, exactly. Is it? And and you can turn around and say, like in that piece, I said, look a quarter of everybody living in rural areas is paying half of their income in rent. I've talked to folks that would say, you know what? Quality daycare costs more than college tuition. I'm either going to be working or I'm going to be at home. Like these are things that matter to people, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about and all the narrative is, all right, well, we'll let infrastructure, which we desperately need. Maybe we'll let it through without build back better or will maybe have build back better. And all people see out there is Democrats are just, you know, as Mo Udall once said, right, when he ran for president, when Democrats organize a firing squad, we do it in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> like Folks are just seeing what and, and Republicans can just be quiet and not be doing a dang thing for people's lives. And all they see is our dysfunction as opposed to here's what will actually impact your life and in both of those bills there is a lot that will positively impact people's lives and that's not just in rural areas that's also in urban areas but we haven't gotten to the point where we can actually speak about that it's more about just well shoot should we do anything what are we going to do how big is it going to be not even talking about the content
2: you know what else Moe Udall said, Murphy? He said, uh, what's the difference between a caucus and a cactus? He was from Arizona, of course. What's the difference between a caucus and a cactus? He said, with caucuses, the pricks are on the inside. So uh,
1: that, that's like the old uh, Jack Warner joke about getting a movie done in Hollywood, and then he made a, a, a vulgar allusion I won't do about having uh, relations with a porcupine. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. You know, Ax, this is going to surprise you, but I've been having a little self-reflection these days.
2: That does surprise me.
1: You know what? We all want the same thing. We just want to be a better version of ourselves, a more confident, knowledgeable you. I think all our listeners can resonate to that too, except for the one in Mar-a-Lago. So listen, (laughs) the fastest way to do it, and you know this, David, is to get learning. Learning is about a new topic or a new skill, revisiting one you learned about in the past or... Frankly, getting up to speed on something everyone is talking about right now. So you can not only broaden your horizons, but boost your self-esteem and your success too.
2: Yeah, I don't think that your self-esteem needs boosting, but you certainly (laughs) need to broaden your horizons. And that's where the Blinkist app comes in. Blinkist takes top nonfiction titles, pulls out the key takeaways, and puts them into text and audio explainers called Blinks that give you the most important information in just get this 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah, I know. You use Blinks to learn about topics like philosophy, history, and science, or dive into psychology, health, and nutrition, or personal growth. You've got thousands of titles and 27 categories of the world's best knowledge to choose from. And look, if you're more of a podcast person... They've got you covered with Blinks for Podcasts called,
1: wait for it, Shortcasts. You see, Blinkist has the wisdom from top nonfiction bestsellers and podcasts all packed into powerful 15-minute reads or listens, all in one app and in your pocket and ready to go so you can learn anytime, anywhere with Blinkist. There's a short history of Brexit, because I don't know about you, but I can't take a cab ride without being quizzed about that. And also The Future of Capitalism. I mean, there's so many good, knowledgeable books in this thing. And we're all so busy, that
2: 15-minute uh, ability to consume a blink. You can really get smart on things quickly. And here's the good news. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash hacks to start, and this is good, a free seven-day trial and get 25% off of a Blinkist premium membership. Yeah, I just finished
1: a Blink on my way to the studio this morning called Don't Pass Up a Great Offer. It's soon to be a bestseller. (laughs) So don't pass this one up. Go to Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com, slash hacks, and get that great offer of 25% off and a 7-day free trial. Blinkist.com,
2: slash hacks.
1: Let me get back to this Democrat thing because it puzzles me from the outside. Like a lot of Trump-hating conservatives, I, I'm, wor- I'm to the point where I think the Democratic Party is too important to be left to the Democrats because there is so <laughs> much internal gravity <laughs> That just pulls them into this into this lefty uh, direction. I mean, Biden tested the idea when he ran for president. He ran as a center Democrat, right? Uh, and now he's got ele- elected, and he's being pulled into this debate. I agree with the governor. All you hear is billion, trillion. There's so much spending, even the Democrats can't agree on it. And you know, and Biden's brand as the the centerist stability guy has been eroded. And even beyond that, if 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 a Biden is the kind of sane Democrat who could win a general election, where is the academy to create more Bidens? Because I don't see it. I see everybody coming up as a different flavor of identity progressive, which makes me think a Trump comeback thing is, is not a pipe dream.
2: Anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think there, I mean, one of my concerns is that in the midterm elections, at current course and speed, Democrats are going to lose a lot of very promising uh, leaders yeah. who who are uh, kind of center-left uh, Democrats. But um, you know, I don't know that it is. First of all, let me say a word for the progressives. Okay, this bill back better bill started at six trillion. It went to three point five trillion. It's now half of that, and they have in at each juncture they've been uh, they've been willing to compromise. But everybody is treating, and I've said it before, treating this bill like the last plane out of Kabul, and they're trying to get their priority on it because they don't think there's going to be a chance after 2013. What worries me more is the drift to issues uh, that are uh, divisive, frankly. You know, yeah. in, in New York City, the New York City Council just voted to allow non, uh, non-citizen immigrants uh, to vote. Not undocumented, but people who are here uh, uh, legitimately. I think there is a, there is a uh, I understand the, the, the motivation behind that. Um, I just can't. Uh, I. I mean, I'm just wondering how many minutes it's going to take the Republican Party to uh, to take that issue on the road, and they won't specify which immigrants they're uh, they're going to say they're going to say they want to give uh, you know non citizens immigrants the chance to vote. It just fuels their narrative, uh, and uh, you know I'm. I'm worried about things like that. Why did Terry McAuliffe lose in Virginia? Uh, Ultimately, I don't know that it was about spending in Washington so much as it was schools in your neighborhood. (laughs) And he just stepped in a bucket there. So, um, you know, I, I think what worries me is that Uh, There is a very powerful impulse on the part of uh, progressives in the party to uh, address a whole array of issues uh, that, if they become the focus, uh, will— guarantee Republican victories across the country and take the focus off of the issues that Steve yeah. says will are winning issues for Democrats. Well, Steve, you were
1: inside the Democratic world because you, you you ran, in my view, an admirable and sensible campaign for president. I think you would have won if you were the nominee. It's just hard with a base in Montana to pull that off. But you've seen the inside machinery. What needs to change so the Democratic compass catches up with their own centrist voters, you know, the people who supported Biden?
0: Yeah. Mike, and I always said, look, if if the core of the word of progressive is progress, we have to demonstrate that we are making progress in people's lives. And I think that we often do turn around and there's a lot that needs to be done. But if the perception becomes, as David said, even though it's just New York City, that we're a hell of a lot more, heck of a lot more concerned just trying to watch out for those kids that listen, Mike. A heck of a lot more concerned about... Um,
2: Can't we just tell the kids not to listen? I mean, no, no. Is- Governor <laughs> Blunt,
0: our friend and loyal listener, made a good
1: point point in a note to me. Because one of the things we're trying to teach kids is Republicans and Democrats don't have to hate each other. So <laughs> believe me, it's hard for me. I'm I'm, I'm taking the temperance oath on language here, and we'll see how long it lasts. But, But anyway, Governor, back to you. You should... Right,
0: right, right. the challenge becomes then one jurisdiction turns around and says, or one area says, yeah, voting for non-citizens. And we're just offering the right, the opportunity to brand that on every single Democrat. I mean, before I was attorney general, the state's chief law enforcement officer, I actually represented the Police Protective Association. As attorney general, I did a lot to change policing. But then all of a sudden, I'm the guy who just wants to defund the police. And mm. and we allow, well, the narrative gets built as some of us are, some Democrats are saying it, and Republicans are smart enough just to use that as a hammer over our head. I mean, let's talk about the 40 million families who will be impacted by the child care tax credit and what a difference that will make in people's lives. But we don't end up talking about what's going to make a difference in all people's lives, urban and rural. And we become typecast as the party that just doesn't care about the economic issues.
1: You know, there's something about governors in both parties who just tend to get this more. I mean, I've worked for a lot of the Republican governors. I remember old Terry Branstad, who had about 14 terms in Iowa. (laughs) David and I used to tangle out there. And I, you, no matter what was going on, you poked Terry Branstad and he'd say, higher farm incomes, best schools in the country, take care of our seniors. You know that, that was the issue. And it was hard to beat that guy in an election because he understood the meat and potato stuff. There's just something about the governor wing of the party, in, in my view, is more pragmatic than the senators. Yet it seems like the federal cats kind of define the narrative um, in the national media.
0: I think that's true. I think that's also the changing media landscape of, right, that CNN, MSNBC and Fox doesn't look much beyond um, Washington, D.C. And that becomes the noise as opposed to anything else.
2: Can Democrats, you know, uh, I look at John Tester, who I think is up in 2024. He's going to be right. You lost by 10 points in 2020 for the Senate. Uh, He's going to be running, uh, there'll be a Republican candidate on the ballot. It may uh, be Donald Trump again, uh, the way things are lining up. Uh, Can Democrats win in Montana uh, under the current circumstances?
0: Yeah, the the answer is yes. Um, Yeah, I ran for Senate, lost big. But think about this. From the time I announced Election Day, I never actually talked to a voter, right? There was this little global pandemic thing going on. Like, I remember when I was running for governor, I'd go to a county and people would say, why are you even in this county? You know, I'd show up at the bar or the Rotary and like, you can't win this county. You're right. To use James Carville, I just need to lose less badly. So never spoke to a voter. It made the national narrative a lot easier of. He's just Green New Deal AOC defunding the police. And. People just saw me as governors either taking away their rights or trying to protect them managing COVID. So I do want to believe that 2020, in some places, if we, like, places like Montana were a little bit of a one-off, but that only, I guess, matters or that lesson that we can do it only um, will take hold if, like what I said in the essay, Like, we just don't write off large swaths of the country. Because even if you can cobble together 270 electoral votes, when you have 900 legislative seats change over the last decade and a half, well, that gets us right back to redistricting. Or when you look at what can happen in the Senate when we're no longer competitive in all of these states.
2: One of the things that uh, I think is noteworthy is there are only six members of the United States Senate who represent the opposite party from where the state voted on presidential race in the last presidential race. Uh, You know, three on the Republican side and three on the Democratic side. One of them is Toomey, who's retiring. In the Democratic Party, it's uh, it's, uh, Tester, uh, Sherrod Brown, and uh, Joe Manchin. Uh, And otherwise, the Senate vote aligns. You know, we become so tribal that the Senate votes uh, and increasingly congressional votes align completely with, uh, you know, presidential uh, preferences. And I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I embrace everything that you say uh, about what Democrats should be doing. Um, but the boy, the headwinds are really, really tough. Uh, and I don't know how do you reverse that. I think there's a there's a glimmer
1: of hope for you guys in the Senate. I think the House is going to be pretty grim, and part of it is the message coming out of the Democratic House Caucus isn't helpful. Your most electable candidates in the toughest districts will probably lose, and they're the ones talking sense in the Caucus. But in the Senate, if Roe explodes, and if Trump injects himself back into it, and if we keep you know finding guys like uh, Doctor Oz to be the the candidate, and the suburbs do the opposite of Virginians, snap back in a Democratic direction against the headwind of Biden's numbers, inflation, and all the economic stuff, Uh, I I can see a scenario where where the Senate has some hope
2: for Democrats. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. So, Mike, you remember those embarrassing moments when you'd go through one of your long uh, stentorian kind of things, (laughs) and, and I'd doze off. Because I didn't get enough sleep. No, no, believe
1: me, I remember more than a few, that droopy look. (laughs) You know, if I didn't scream Karl Marx to wake you up, you were out (laughs) in under a minute. Because you weren't getting enough sleep, my friend.
2: But I am now, and you know why? Because I am sleeping on a Helix mattress. You know, we were uh, given the opportunity to test these mattresses out as part of our work here. I did it out of obligation. Now I love the thing, because finally... I'm getting the sleep I need. Well, you know, one is going to fall off the
1: truck for me, too, and my father, who has trouble sleeping, Joe, he's told me already in the great Detroit tradition, "Uh, you got to bump that one up to me to try. I (laughs) want to... Free samples, so he's, he's going to get it next yeah. week.
2: But good man, yeah.
1: Here's what he just did. The secret to the Helix system is the quiz. You go online; it takes just two minutes to complete. And what it does is it matches your body type, right. and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. Because we're all different. I mean, why would you buy a mattress? made for somebody else.
2: I have a unique body type, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the
1: less said about that, the better. You (laughs) think we're on radio, so to speak. But anyway, once you take the quiz, they dial it in, and that makes a huge difference for your sleep.
2: So I took the Helix quiz. I was matched with the uh, medium mattress. I got a mattress that was perfect for the way I sleep, which was on my side. I mean, all the specifications uh, that I gave them resulted in the most fantastic sleep experience for me. I know you love the thing because you've been doodling little hearts on
1: all our official show <laughs> correspondence here, but let's get down to brass tacks. It's a mattress. How did
2: they ship it to you? What happened? Yeah, it's incredible. This, this box arrives on your doorstep. You say, how could that be a mattress? You open it up, you cut the plastic off and the thing expands. And you've got a full, I've got like a California King mattress and it opens up and, you know, you let it sit for a while and then there it is. It's really unbelievable. And it has a 10-year warranty, by the way. So
1: you even get to, they have a cool thing where you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. You don't like it? They will come get it. They will pick it up. They want you to be satisfied. And Helix can make it affordable with financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is only a two-minute quiz away.
2: Yeah, so it's not just that Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine, but, my friends, it has the Axelrod number one best overall mattress designation, which everyone covets. Yeah, no, you haven't
1: awarded that since Das Capital. (laughs) And listen, right now, for our listeners— Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and, get this, two free pillows just for our Hacks on Tap listeners. So check it out. Take the quiz. Change your sleeping life. Go to helixsleep.com slash
2: hacks. Take it from a guy who knows. helixsleep.com slash hacks. Let's assume, as it seems pretty likely right now, that the Supreme Court does dismantle Roe. Uh, how does that play out nationally? How does that, Gov? It, it takes you into a different debate than the economic debate that you uh, want to have. the The theory is that, uh, particularly in the suburbs, women will come out in large numbers as they did in 2018, uh, and this will uh, it will help Democrats, but. I don't know. I think that's an untested theory. Yeah. And it won't help everywhere. You know, it, the
1: suburbs, the fulcrum, I think it's net, net more likely. Is it bigger than the economy? I think that's, that's very uncertain. Governor, what do you think? Because you've operated in a state with a lot of pro-life voters.
0: Yeah. Like, like, look, I do think that, you know, Democrats have always said the threat of Roe versus Wade being overturned is real. But For 40 years, right, we've let personal decisions and been able to say will be made by the woman in consultation with her doctor, her family, her faith, if she so chooses, that this isn't government's role. When all of a sudden it does become government's role, when the eventuality occurs, I do think it'll drive a lot of folks. And that's not just driving our base. It's a lot of Republican and independent women that are saying, this isn't what I signed up for. But I also agree that once it happens, if it happens, it'll be a driver. But that can't be the only driver, meaning that to win, we need to be talking about government government interference, certainly in a woman's right to make her own decisions. But we also have to be talking about that. Look, you well, you went back to Terry Branstad, farmers didn't do a heck of a lot better under Donald Trump, right? (laughs) It was actually worse. All they got was the quote-unquote bailouts. And I've never met a farmer that would rather uh, get a check than a fair price. Or folks aren't doing better. So it has to be both economic issues and talking about sort of this is what the extremes are putting on you.
1: Well, speaking of extremes and tearing stuff up, I think we referenced that scraping noise of hitting the bottom earlier when we started the show. Former Senator David Perdue of Georgia. And David, I'm going to do you a special holiday favor here and we're going to transition over to the the once great and mighty Republican Party. Uh he's running, I mean, can you imagine either of you as both a working politician and a and a consultant? Ten years ago, somebody coming to a recently defeated senator in a close race saying, all right, boss, we got the comeback plan. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to jump in the primary against the incumbent governor, who's 20 points of Eddie in the polls. Okay. And we're going to immediately say the election was a fraud and the whole electoral system's defunct and tear up the Constitution. And we're going to get a reality show host to endorse you. And bingo, you're on your way back. And that's that's what's happened. Well, let me <laughs> add one
2: line to that. That election that was fraudulent, you were on the ballot a year ago and you didn't say anything about it being right fraudulent. when you lost yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and, and we now have Republicans wanting to investigate the Montana election <laughs> Donald right? Trump yes. sued me right before uh because I let everyone vote but yeah there's a lot of talk in Montana about we better find out what happened during the twenty. 20- 20 elections
2: you know it's like yeah, you, you, okay. you you maybe you should go forward maybe you won yeah check for the bamboo stuff like in arizona <laughs> the flip the flip side mike is that uh why is purdue doing it he's doing it because trump drafted him yeah uh and uh and because trump has put his weight behind him that's a real primary no no i mean they told him you got
1: to be trump's sock puppet or you got nothing and he had seniditis, which is not an uncommon if tragic disease. So he said, all right, I'll become an absolute clown. And uh, I mean, they're running TV and web ads now over which one of them's closer to the hated Mitt Romney. Who, By the way, uh, I've been around the Romney world long enough to remember when just about, especially Purdue, were suck-ups to Mitt Romney, but they, they had a conversion, you know. But yeah, that, that's what the new gravity of the party is. Now, by the way, I'm not a big Kemp fan. I think he ran kind of a knuckle-dragging campaign, but he's an effective Paul. He knows Republican primary politics. He's not going to go down easy. Yeah. Nobody's going to get to the right of that guy. Uh, so we'll see. And purdue has got his own vulnerabilities. Uh, but, yeah, it totally, as a Trump, I'll say it again, sock puppet, that'll put him in a five-point primary race. Yeah no, you know, we got a year, or not a year, we got I don't remember the exact Georgia primary. I can't remember if it's September or the summer, but there's some time for Trump's half life to continue to erode, which I think could happen um or we'll see, yeah. but yeah, there's no doubt. And it's it's horrible. Horrible. We we really have a demon king on the loose in the GOP and he's he's causing people to give up some of the fundamental principles of the american democracy it makes me sick
2: on the subject of sock puppets and trump's uh y- you know you every time we sit down together you have this prayer that trump will uh, his power will diminish within the republican party but well here. listen let's listen to this sock puppet who disagrees with you here's what i would say every republican if you want to be a senate republican leader in the house Uh, excuse me, a Republican leader in the House or the Senate, and you don't have a working relationship with Donald Trump, you cannot be effective. So I hope we'll get on the same page here.
1: You're right. Lindsey's the grand sock puppet of all. (laughs) I know him well. I've been in the Lindsey Graham business since he was a crusading young congressman, along with Mark Sanford. They were kind of a a double thing. They both endorsed Lamar. He was a a protege of
2: protege of a guy john mccain you, my exactly yes yeah. exactly yeah yeah no it's crazy but this was this comment was in in uh, to condemn mitch mcconnell for allowing democrats to raise the debt ceiling of course
1: look lindsey wants to be majority or minority leader he'd love to take out mitch as a trump super sock puppet because he's surrendered to ambition you know his greatest fear in life is going back to live a regular life in south carolina not be in the senate so he's willing in the Chancellor von Papen tradition to pay any price. It's a tragedy, but yeah, it is an astute take though of the reality in the party right now. I won't, I won't give them a flag on the on the analysis. It's just there's no moral center to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, here's what he had. Uh, this is what Trump had to say over the weekend. Mitch McConnell's giving the Democrats victory on everything. What is wrong with this broken old crow? He's hurting the Republican senators and the Republican Party. When will they vote him out of leadership? He didn't have the guts to play the debt ceiling card, which would have given the Republicans a complete victory on virtually everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and let's recognize, right, the debt ceiling is paying off the credit card paying onto the credit card for what you've already spent. Like this is money that was that he's racked up. Yeah. Yeah. That Trump spent. And I think this is, you know, this has been going on for 40 years. It's one of the reasons why people feel that Washington politicians are out of touch, but it also then when it really is the hallmark, if, if you're not doing what Donald Trump says, you don't have a chance as a Republican, right? That, Mike might be the best news for Democrats in a lot of areas.
1: No, if Biden could put one foot in front of the other and operate a bit and wasn't held camp, I think you ought to triangulate against his hard left. And I think he'd have a huge recovery. But for some reason, he won't. Okay, then let's take a break right here
2: and we'll be right back. So, Mike, if you've ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than now. This week, our friends at Simply Safe are giving Hacks on Tap listeners early access to all their holiday deals. And you know, they're big, 40% off their award winning home security. Well, we love Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your
1: home safe. Indoor and outdoor cameras. They have comprehensive sensors. All these uh, devices are monitored around the clock by trained professionals who help
2: send you help the instant you need it. You know, I've experienced the Simply Safe system and now they've added camera capacity to it so you can see what's going on, not just in your house, but around the perimeter of your house. It's the reason that Simply Safe was named best home security system of 2021 by U.S. News and World Report. Don't trust us. We're a couple of political operators, but U.S. News and World Report looked at everything and Simply Safe won the best home security system of the year. You can easily customize a system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations from Simply Safe. And these are Simply Safe's biggest discounts of the year with this new sale. You can get
1: a complete home security system starting, you can get a complete home security no long-term contracts or commitments. With Simply Safe, it's really easy to start feeling a bit more peace of mind.
2: Take advantage of Simply Safe's holiday deals and get 40% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com slash hacks. Again, that's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash hacks for 40% off your entire system. Simply Safe. It's a steal.
1: Let's take a one-minute stop on the Republican road here to pull into no, the No, I was Democratic enjoying this. <laughs> okay. Th- then we'll come back. We'll come back. Okay. They, they deserve more of a beating. Right. There are other topics. But there's a rumor going around that Nancy Pelosi said she wants to come back, and this is talking about McConnell versus maybe Lindsey, come back as Speaker again when the conventional wisdom was she was going to wrap it up after this year. David, Governor, what's your take on that? Is that just D.C. rumor stuff, or you think there's some truth to it?
2: I was shocked by that because – I, I just assume that after she, after they complete this, this big, uh, uh, reconciliation bill, this build back better bill, that that would be the coda and that she would go on that perhaps I noticed the president hadn't appointed an ambassador to Italy. That might be her way, uh, out of this. Uh, you know, look, I love Nancy Pelosi. Uh, I think she's the most effective legislative leader of, of our time. Uh, and, uh, she is the glue that kind of holds things together there. So I understand the impulse, uh, to, of, of people to want her to stay, to do that. Um, but, uh, for her as someone who I consider her a friend, I thought, you know what, it'd be an elegant way to end your career, to, to finish these bills and move on. Apparently she's decided, you know, she may feel like the battle is too important for her to leave. And so she's not going to leave. But uh, uh, I was I was surprised by that. Gov, I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, uh,
0: I mean, the battle certainly too important to leave in December of 2020 when we still don't have a bill through that is right. actually going to address drug costs, housing, pre-K, apprenticeships, and other things. So, you know. No, but what about I,
2: after that? What about after yeah, that? Yeah.
0: Who knows? The tone may change post-midterm elections. Um, and it could well change. But but I think turn around and say, no, I'm going to be done before even the work of this Congress is done wouldn't be good for uh, Nancy Pelosi or for finally getting the stuff through that Democrats have been talking about since the day that Joe Biden was sworn in.
2: I agree with that. And it may be that she wanted that piece written because uh uh at uh, this is a bad, this would be a bad juncture to signal anything like that when you're trying to get this uh when you're trying to get this bill through and it may be that um it, she she feels being loyal to the party at her caucus that to signal that she is uh going to leave would be considered a judgment about what is going to happen in 2022 and so she therefore feels she can't do it i get all that i get all that but um uh, for her personally uh, I think uh finishing this bill and moving on uh, would be better not f- better for the democrat caucus not necessarily better for the country uh, but just better for her so I guess maybe the bottom line is maybe she's putting those things first certainly she's done everything she she her her place in history is secure not like she needs to serve any longer so uh, maybe the Bottom line on that is good for her. But Murphy, what is your thought?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think there's going to be a changing of the guard when they lose the house, and she's got a mix managing it well for her. And what the governor was talking about is trying to land a ship. Uh, so, but, you know, it's just the nature of these things. I, my guess is we have double intrigue. Because she has signaled she might stay, the people who had already been kind of choosing furniture uh, for the probably Minority Leader's Office, that's going to ratchet up that patent place. And on the Republican side, there are plenty of sharks in the water for McCarthy, depending on if the Repubs win and if so, how much. He's a good concierge speaker. If you need some peppermint chewing gum by tomorrow, he's right there for you. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, that's worth something. But the the hardcore tribe, probably about 60 members, don't like him at all. You got Steve Scalise, who's popular in the caucus, hovering around. So I think there'd be I can see triple intrigue. And of course, the hopefully soon-to-be felon Matt Gates says he's going to nominate Trump, you know, for speaker.
2: Yeah, which the constitution could do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the Constitution, of course, is a minor irritant to some of these guys. But so it's going to be all kinds of crazy you know, and the whole thing, it keeps destroying the category of politics and political institutions. That's the real acid here. Uh, eating away at the clockwork of democracy. And, uh, but I can see each party having their thing. And, you know, the progressives still want their day. They're not on team Biden. And once they see weakness, they're going to want to pounce. So we're, we're, you know, we just lurch closer and closer to a banana republic every six months, which is the great tragedy that ought to unite every thinking American.
0: So how do we fix that, Mike? Or is that our next podcast.
1: Boy, you know, people ask me that, and I start talking about when I went over uh, to Singapore a few years ago. <laughs> Pretty tight ship. Problem is, there's no democracy. So I, I don't have a, an easy fix to it. I, I'm to the point, as an optimist, I'm hoping for a reformation. And frankly, if the former president wound up in a, uh, a situation where he was unable to run, be it new orange attire or anything else. I don't a lot of people say, oh, a whole bunch of new Trumpists will come on. I, I think the Trumpist populist thuggery will exist in some of the grassroots, but he, he's his own freak show, Cult of Personality. Without him, I think it loses some energy. Yeah. Yeah. But on the Dem side, we need to bring back Al From. I mean, they got to have their fight. Right That's now,
2: a, an old reference to the head of the Democratic Leadership Conference, which yeah. was a center yeah. democratic organization, centrist democratic organization that Bill Clinton uh, chaired in the 80s. They they need to have the debate out in the open in the party because as I said before,
1: Democratic Party is now so important for the cause of rule of law. It's too important to be left to what's happening now. So they they got to have their own fight over what they are.
2: Let me just say that the Fishers in the Democratic Party are uh, are philosophical over some issues. There's quite quite a bit of uh, there's there's a lot of unanimity around some of these economic issues uh, that the governor was talking about the fishers in the republican party are between people who uh believe in a democracy and people who are willing to let it go and i mean I, it seems to me the fishers in the republican party are are more difficult uh than the the you know than the fishers in the democratic party but i will note that uh jonathan martin our buddy jonathan martin from the times wrote a piece out of uh out of uh, New Orleans and the governor's conference uh, this weekend about all the people who are privately thinking about 2024 on uh, the theory that Biden won't be able to run and Kamala Harris will not be a strong uh, uh, candidate. So, Gov, I was wondering what you were thinking, what you think about that. And if you would like to announce your intentions here, we break news right now. We break, <laughs> we break news on, Hacks on Bullock the time. Bullock and
0: Raimondo. I like the sound of it. Yes. That worked out so well last time, David Mike. So (laughs) I I think it's it's you know, it was a classic uh, Jonathan Martin parlor games. Let's actually get through this midterm elections. Let's actually make sure the Democrats are talking about economic issues that folks are concerned about and see what the president does.
2: So the answer that the governor just gave proved that he still has the chops because he completely avoided, he elegantly avoided the question. If the (laughs) Democrats
1: came to their senses and put me in a dictatorship-like control of the party, in one of the two jobs, Steve Bullock would be on my ticket. I'm just telling you. Because he plays in our backfield. And when the Democrats learn it's not about getting the votes they're going to get anyway to do a happy dance on the way to the polls, but instead, to make them a little uncomfortable, to get votes that they don't get, that they take right out of us, that's when Democrats win elections. And they they proved it with Clinton, even Jimmy Carter. When they when you know when they play on Republican territory, they're 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 winning already. But that has been a lost lesson. Both parties have fallen into the trap of confusing their base voters with swing voters, thinking they need to be constantly appeased. The reason they're your base voters is they're going to vote for you no matter almost what. You can make them a little unhappy to get the other voters.
0: I would argue you don't even have to go back to Clinton or Carter. I would say, look at what Obama did in 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. I mean, I had talked about that, how 4th of July, when he was still senator, he yes. goes to Butte, Montana. I was there. He, yeah, I was too, actually, marching in the parade, running for attorney general. But, but thinking about that, yeah, he lost Montana by two points that year. But it—you didn't need like your calculus. David wasn't. Oh, we got to get Montana, then we win. Right. It did say a hell of a lot to a whole lot of places around this country that this guy cared about us. Yeah,
1: and an election night, if you're a Republican consultant and somebody says "Uh, we're going to win Montana by three, you you start going home (laughs) because if they run a campaign that can hold Montana to two and a half or three points uh you're gonna lose because they're playing the full deck smart across the country, which means yeah. your Michigans, even your Ohio's can spring hell, in that case Indiana. Yeah. So you know, it just um will how much political the, the bottom line is, as awful as the Republicans are, and I'm look, I'm I'm out in the wilderness as one of the Trump hating Republicans, but Trump's political situation. It's actually situation, coming from a
2: secret, undisclosed location. Well, I have to these <laughs> days.
1: Uh, I might run out of ammo.
2: <laughs> Put it this way. If I were, here's what would bug
1: me if I were a Democrat. And I can find a lot of reasons to blame other people. But fundamentally, Trump is in a stronger situation to become president again now, significantly stronger than he was nine months ago. And that has been driven more about what's happening on the Democratic side than the Republican side, which is just a turmoil of, of dark clown worship. So the Dems got to like, Understand, they are the most important thing right now. They've got to talk to the whole country and get out of their primary, or they're gonna they're gonna set up Trump, and that is a disaster for our country.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you that Trump may be looking at the twenty twenty four picture and thinking that it's more and more inviting to him. I don't know that the the sort of moral collapse of uh, the Republican Party and into this sort of anti-democratic frenzy is all about what's happening on the Democratic Oh, side. no,
1: no. I uh, To be clear, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying in practical politics, Trump's moving up. I, on the yeah. moral compass, it's really, really bad for the GOP. I, I agree. But unfortunately, the Electoral College isn't driven by on the moral compass. And if Trump gets the nominee and we have inflation and Kamala Harris is the Democratic nominee, I think Trump can beat her. And in the electoral college, you'll probably lose the popular vote again,
2: and that—that's trouble. Well, that's also the sort of undertone of the whole 2024 discussion that that J. Mart wrote about in the Times. I mean, I think there's a lot of fear on the part of Democrats about fielding a a, a candidate who can beat Trump, and a uh, concern about who, if it's not if Biden is doesn't run, and and you know he says he's going to, we'll we'll see. Uh, who that might be. Uh, uh, So we we shouldn't leave without getting back to the way we started these uh, January 6th hearings. It was pretty dramatic yesterday to hear not only what Donald Trump Jr. was trying to tell his father, which is, this is a disaster and you've got to stop it, but all the luminaries on all your old friends at Fox News, Mike, my old friends, I can't,
1: Ailes tried to get me to go over there because Ailes was a friend of mine way back in the day. And I, 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 I've been on Fox three times in my life, uh, back in the nineties. So yeah, I'm, I'm very close to him,
2: but I get your point. But Sean and Tucker and, and Laura we, all, well, well, that's
1: true. Tucker and I were friends years ago before uh, whatever happened, gambling debts. I don't know what led to it, but you know, he turned into the Tucker we have now.
0: When Laura says this is hurting all of us, you know? yes, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's like this isn't just about democracy. This is about the franchise the Fox brand. And, yeah, yes, the franchise. Yes.
2: For sure. Yeah, no, yeah. but the point is, they all were saying this to him. People who let's acknowledge these people are intimate advisors. I don't know actually if Tucker was in there. I think it was Sean and and uh, Laura, but uh, Tucker may have. It, in fairness, and if he's listening, I apologize, he may genuinely have been in with the insurrectionists at the moment and didn't write. But what it does underscore is that for hours and hours, the president of the United States sat there as a riot, an insurrection, ensued at the Capitol and did nothing despite the warnings and the the, the pleas of his most intimate advisors to stop it. What's going to happen? I mean, you talked before, Murphy, about norms and laws and right. institutions and so on. You know, my fear is that this is going, we're going to, and it has to happen, we're going to get real deep insights into how this happened, real deep insights into Trump's role. and And then we're just going to march forward as if nothing happened.
1: Oh, I think they're going to get everything out of this committee they possibly could. And for people who care about facts, it's going to be obvious that there were some complicit congressional offices, too. And that there were people in the well, White and we, House we there. there were bit. intimations of that yesterday. Yeah, that's all coming. Uh, because they do have an electron microscope and a can opener, and they're using it aggressively to their credit. Huge props to Kinzinger and Cheney for being part of that. But it'll go into, in some ways, the vortex of Trump's bigger sin— which is this mass delusion that he's created as a litmus test in the party now about the election was illegitimate. And if you're in a world where facts don't matter, even the most damning facts out of January 6th may not be enough to change the course. I hope they do, and I think they're going to be damning. I think there's going to be a gusher of this kind of stuff, and we're going to find out the nuttiest bund fringe of the party, including incumbent members of Congress uh, in the House side uh, are complicit in it.
2: I thought it was interesting that Liz Cheney was the one who read the emails from uh, Trump and uh, Trump Jr. and the uh, and the Fox personalities. She's uh, Gov really. She's out there, man. She's she's put her, her herself on the line.
0: Yeah, and who would have thought in our lifetime, David, we'd be saying kudos, Liz Cheney? Like you know, she's pretty damn conservative. She is conservative. I
2: disagree with her on many, many, many things. But I honor her for in this moment for for standing up uh, in the way that she is. I think it's it's a really courageous thing. You're from the the neighboring state. I don't know if you have any special insight into whether she can survive that. But the fact that we're even asking that question speaks to the political courage it takes to uh, to do what she's doing.
0: It it does, and it wasn't that long ago where political courage um, wasn't such an anomaly, right? That in the Republican Party people would stand up, you know, Mike, your time with John McCain, him standing up when there was talk about Barack Obama. Um, and I don't know where, you know, I mean, maybe that is the one good thing for us, David, is the only thing more screwed up than Democrats are Republicans. Uh, <laughs> but but the stakes are a lot higher, <laughs> right? When, when yeah, it's grim. The majority of Republicans say that that election... In 2020 was fraudulent. I mean, the problem wasn't just what happened on January 6th; it's what happened between November and January 6th, and then what continues to happen even to this date.
2: Hey, Mike, we we blew through the mail uh, that we well yeah, we didn't. Let me let it.
0: me wrap up though. I want to
1: amplify the governor's point because you know I wasn't on last week, but I was also very proud to work for Bob Dole twice. Yes, uh, I got to know him pretty well. He was an amazing cat. It, it, I. Read the Richard Ben Kramer book, if you haven't. One of the best books about politics. What it takes. Yeah, Yeah, I made a little film about him in the 87 campaign where I spent a lot of time in Russell, Kansas. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, we don't have time to go into all that. But I did watch that Dole funeral. I couldn't make it back for it, which bummed me out. But you could see the fact that a lot of politics in Washington are trapped in this world. And their natural instincts are, are to break out a bit. Uh, so that gave me a grain of hope and, you know, heroes like Dole, the last great service they do is when they pass, we celebrate and remember that. Yes, And, and he, he, the nostalgia for that sort of politics doesn't have to be just nostalgia. It can happen again. It's a matter of choice. And I think that, and I've heard from some Paul's kind of in the congressional business about that, that reflecting on that might've given a little jolt in the right direction and and a, a hazardous thing.
2: We heard the same thing about the McCain funeral. Yeah. I echo your hope, but the fact is we can't have a return to something better than what we have today, only in two-hour increments when statesmen die. It takes courage of the sort we talked about. Very few have displayed it, but we have to have the courage to say goodbye to the governor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we're going to, next week, we're
1: doing a special, all three hacks, mailbag, super duper thing, where we're just going to have a ton of of questions, and all question one to wrap up the year. So send us your questions at hacksontap at gmail.com. We're going to go through a bunch of them, hacksontap at gmail.com. So we're make up for the no mailbag this week with a a spectacular. And don't forget to subscribe to the free twice a week by email, Murphy and Gibbs Hacks on Tap newsletter. Just go to hacksontap.bulletin.com. And check it out. It's a lot of fun, and we do a lot of stuff that we don't talk about on the podcast. And yet. come
2: back down the line when the governor comes and announces his future political plans.
0: You can do it here. You're
2: We're, we're playing big.
0: You know, David, uh, Mike, I'm going to open a bar in in <laughs> uh, Helena, Montana. We're, so yeah, we're we're, over, we will broadcast the town. show
1: live from the grand opening. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: <Right. laughs> yeah. We'll bring Ramundo It'll be a wild party.
0: <laughs> I'll have you out for the grand opening. It's going to happen sometime mid-2022. <laughs>
2: All, All right. right we're, we're, there. we're
1: serious. We're, we won't be able to get rid of us. It is Axe on tap. <laughs> yeah.
2: Can we, I hope you have a couple of spare rooms at your place. We'll just hang out. <laughs> All right, Gus. Good to be with you. Thank you for being here.
0: Great to be with you both.
2: And Axe, I'll see you
1: soon, pal. Have All a right, great holiday. There. We'll be back next week with the epic Super Millbag Spectacular.